Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, Iowa? We are heading into another game week. Welcome back. Hey, welcome back. It was a nice bye week. Yeah, <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. Nothing uh, came out of Hawkeye camp outside of just getting ready for Wisconsin. What's first on the uh, agenda? <laughs> we are talking Wisconsin. Headed to Wisconsin. Badges. A rivalry game that's been going on for over 100 years. How about that? Over 100. Yeah. Um, although it's been a rivalry, rivalry, it's a hard word, uh, game for that long, the Heartland Trophy, which we play for, has only been around since 2004. Did you know that? I did not. Talk to me about it. Well, it's a brass bowl. Is it heavy? Is that the heaviest one? Which one's the heaviest one? Floyd? Floyd's pretty heavy. If I remember correctly, the Heartland's pretty heavy. The only one that's like really light is the Heroes Trophy. Mm, that's because it's not really a, a rivalry. <laughs> um, But actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure one of them, like, it is the heaviest. And I want to say it's Floyd, but... Either way, a brass bowl is what is hanging in the balance. we got to bring it back to Iowa City. It's been there for how many years? Do you know? In Iowa City? Yeah. Well, we won last year in 2020. Uh-huh. I don't remember if we won in 2019. <laughs> Me either. Either way. Remember we said, like, what happened in 2019? I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure we talked about that. Either way, um, came about in 2004. Do you remember the 2005 game? You might not have been a, uh, a Hawkeye fan by that point, huh? I would have been... 11 and no i wouldn't have been and i would have been 12 and i was at that game it was barry alvarez's final game Mm. as their head coach legendary head coach there at wisconsin um my brother-in-law our brother-in-law was playing at the time so we went to go watch like i said i was 12 i was so annoying i just we still talk about it today as a family like it was rainy so we all had ponchos on and i could not sit still like i was just incapable of sitting still i mean i'm at a football game i was i'm not gonna lie a little bored Although I was a big Hawkeye fan, I was a little bored. And so I couldn't stop moving. And so, like, I was sitting between my mom and my sister, and they still talk about how, like, although we were wearing ponchos, they were absolutely drenched because I couldn't stop, like, getting all the rain off of the ponchos underneath and whatever onto them. None of that surprises me. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of what I remember about that. I also remember it being really emotional. I think all of of the Badger fans— I think Badger football Nation. fans, because Barry Alvarez was a was at Iowa mm-hmm. um, before going to Wisconsin, and obviously legendary coach there before he became the AD. So I can only imagine that it was emotional for all football fans. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. Um, you know, like when you think back on things when you were a kid, and you think about um, how you saw them, like the lens. That, I mean, obviously the lens is a little bit different, um, and so like thinking back, it felt like a movie to me mm, as okay. a kid. Um, but pretty cool. We did. Uh, we left that one. 20 to 10, got the win. Spoiled the uh, the Bon Voyage. Sad. Kind of cool for me, though. <laughs> and all of Hawkeye Nation. I was going to say, good for the Hawks. Hey, what about jump around at Camp Randall? What do you think of that? Well, uh, it's interesting mm-hmm. because normally the students don't show up until later if it's an early game. Yeah, that's true. They which do. Is weird. It is a massive student section, though. So it's a massive hole until they... F- you know, come in and fill it and go to the game. But one thing about that, I've actually sat in the student section before and it's huge. And like you said, it it fills up slowly because like Iowa, Wisconsin is a tailgating beer drinking school. Um, But it fills up slowly because in my opinion, 
the way that they do it. Like, they kind of assign you where you have to go. Like, it's not just a free-for-all like it is at Iowa. Okay. You don't have an assigned seat, but there's people being like, go this way, go that way, go this way, you're in this row, that kind of thing. And so it takes a really long time with that many students, and it's a huge student section. But they have, although Jump Around is like their main tradition, they've got a lot of traditions. I was standing there, clearly, I have no idea what's going on. I'm just there to watch the game. And um, there was just a lot going on that everybody knew. It's like cheers and songs and holding keys in the air, just a ton of different (laughs) things. So um, they've got a really cool and really loyal student section. But Jump Around has to be the most well-known tradition there. Maybe one of the most well-known traditions in college football. It dates all the way back to 1998 is when this came about. Um, Obviously, Jump Around, I don't know if you know this, is is by House of Pain. Mm -hmm. You know who that is? An artist. Through that. Is it a group? <laughs> I would assume it's a group, yes. We are aging ourselves. People are probably like, oh, you youngsters, you don't know anything. We don't know. Have some pain. <laughs> anyway, um, it was a game versus uh, Purdue. Purdue led by Drew Brees at the time, actually. That was in their quarterback, you. It was a night game, Camp Randall, um, like I said, 1998. And I believe this uh, this song came out in 1992, so six years prior. Um, but yeah, I guess some like marketing intern like was like, yeah, this could be a, a cool song to play. Decided to play it between the third and fourth quarter and everybody lost their minds. And uh, it's it's reigned supreme ever since, right before the fourth quarter. It's very cool to be there while it's going on. It's in, I player. mean, and apparently there's some kind of like way that you're supposed to jump. Do you know this? Mm-mm. Yeah. Arms straight up in the air. Hands up in the air, and then you just jump up and down. That's the technique. It was gonna. I thought you were gonna go more, a lot more scientific than that. But that's, no, that's it. You that have to put your hands basic. up. Well, you have to put your hands up. Some people would put them down by their sides and went, you know. Okay. Up in the air. <laughs> it is. It is pretty cool. I mean, in fifteen when we went there and they did it, and then we ended up winning. That was really cool. And then in 17, when they whooped us, and they did it, it was really not cool. So, <laughs> That's still kind of cool. I think it's one of those things that I hope players and fans, uh, you know, that travel and go, um, like when people come to Iowa, they're really cool to partake. They think it's really cool to partake in the wave, which is bar none, the best tradition in college football. But it's something that's unique to Iowa, and you get to experience it firsthand. I'm not comparing Jump Around to the Wave, but I'm saying that's Wisconsin's big tradition that we talk about. So I think it's cool to be able to go to each stadium and kind of experience that kind of thing of what's what's pertinent to them. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, here's a funny story. Actually, back in 2003, they were doing um, renovations to Camp Randall, I guess putting some like luxury suites in, maybe in their press box or something. Um, and the administration was nervous, it, like having 80,000 fans jumping around, that it was going <laughs> to rattle something loose while they were doing the renovations. And so they didn't play jump around between the third and fourth quarter. And I guess the fans like lost their minds. Uh, I would too. Well, we didn't have social media at the time, but can you imagine Twitter? Oh, that'd be going off. Yeah. But like, um, yeah, I guess kind of flipping the bird or whatever it is. Jeez. You say flipping or flicking? It's flipping. Flipping with with two Ps. Um, so that, I mean, like booing the whole thing. So then, so that was the home opener in 2003. So then they had, they hired an engineer, a real engineer to come out 
and to like assess the situation to see if like people jumping was going to rattle anything loose or ruin the renovations that they were working on. Wow. And he said, nope, you guys are all clear. And then they played it in the next game and, and everything was fine. <laughs> Jeez. Isn't that wild? That's crazy. But that is uh, kind of the history, I guess, of jump around. When you, you know what can make you jump? Hmm. Surprises. Surprises, like getting cheese on your doorstep. Like you just did two days ago. I did two days ago, and the cheese is already almost gone. I got three different kinds of cheddars from Galena River Wine and Cheese. I'm a part of the Cheese of the Month Club. They send me fantastic cheeses right to my doorstep. A lot of them made right here in the Midwest. Um, so make sure you guys are going and visiting GalenaRiverWineAndCheese.com. If you can't get to Galena yourselves, which... I've heard it's absolutely beautiful this time of year. The fall colors, all the things. Galena River Wine and Cheese needs to be a stop on your list when you go visit Galena River Wine and Cheese. So let's get into the football of it all. When you look at the stats thus far in both of our seasons, they look pretty similar. Which is normal for Iowa and Wisconsin. I know. I would Sometimes I like to say that if Iowa isn't playing Wisconsin... I actually, I'm not going to say I cheer for them, but I don't mind them, you know? Sure. Most of the other Big Ten teams, Michigan, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that came out a little harsh, didn't it? That was incredible. <laughs> I was not prepared. Um, I actually don't have anything like super against Michigan. It's the first thing that popped in my head. But anyway, just looking down these stats right here, I'm just going to quick read them off. But points per game, Iowa 28, Wisconsin 21.1. Points allowed per game, 14.6, 18.4 for Wisconsin. Total yards, 310. Wisconsin, 364. Then you go to yards allowed, 301 for Iowa, 223 for Wisconsin. Um, so just kind of looking at all of that, I mean, everything looks pretty similar, like I already said. But I also want to talk about our quarterbacks because I feel like all the hoopla for Iowa this season has been like, where's our where's our offense? When are we going to start clicking? All of these things. And I think it's been really similar in the conversation um, over there in Wisconsin. Up there? You're probably there? right. Geography. Uh, They're above us, right? Yeah. Northeast of here. <laughs> Math, geography, and science. Forget it. Anyway. Actually, um, it's, north. it's definitely north of here. All right. Moving on from that. Uh, Spencer Petrus, 119 of 200 on the season thus far. Uh, 1,333 yards, nine touchdowns, and six interceptions. Okay. Which mo some of those, what, two, three came in garbage time? Yes. Against Purdue? Correct. Forcing the ball, just trying to make something happen. Right. Uh, and then you go over to Mertz, 85 of 152. Uh, 945 yards, two touchdowns, and seven interceptions. So even those stat lines, I mean, like you said, take a couple interceptions away from Petrus when you're talking about the, quote, garbage time. Never heard of that. Well, but. I wouldn't. I mean, garbage time is typically like, <laughs> it's really when you're way up. So like, let's, like Maryland, um, when we were way up, you would quote unquote call that garbage time. But um, I mean, he was just forcing stuff against Purdue, trying to get something to happen. Yeah, I understand. Um, I just never heard you say that before. Mm -hmm. But either way, looking at those super similar stat lines right there, I find that very interesting. I'm pretty sure, and we talked about this, that Mertz started off the year pretty rocky, pretty rough. And now he's kind of starting to figure it out, yeah? Uh, well, last week he did. <laughs> I don't know if uh, that touchdown-to-interception ratio is 
Not great. At least we're positive. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I mean, minus five. I think Wisconsin is uh, on the year. I think they're negative in the turnover margin. So mm-hmm. I think that's something that we absolutely have to try and take advantage of. I don't think we've been as good the last couple of games of getting turnovers. And that's obviously something that helps our, well, really our team go. But um, as we learned earlier, uh, in terms of earlier in the season, when we give our offense only 45, 50 yards to go, they're a lot more successful than when they have to go 90. And that's common sense along with anything else. So kind of going off of that, we're talking about our offense, um, wide receivers. We got the uh, we got the bye week, hopefully got to regroup a little bit. Do you think this has been an opportunity for, uh, for uh, Keegan Johnson to, I don't know, kind of say, here I am, going to solidify my spot kind of thing? Is that something the bye week would do for him? Absolutely, especially when there's so many rotating people. I mean, you got Arlen, Tracy, Nico, Charlie, Keegan that are consistently playing. Yeah. And um, I think the bye week, is, as good as it can be, and it says, I deserve to be on the field, it can go the other way if you're not playing as, as, at as high of a level. You know, um, and it says maybe I'm not quite ready yet. Maybe I got to chill for a little bit. So um, I'll be interested to see kind of if they continue to rotate or if somebody emerges and, you know, Keegan doesn't leave the field or Charlie doesn't leave the field or, you know, anything like that to see kind of who steps up because Wisconsin's DBs, they play a lot of single high. They play a lot of uh, physical press. Mm. So when I say physical press, there are some DBs that just kind of shadow you. BK would always call them shadow guys, where essentially they're not trying to get hands on you. They're not going to jam you, but they're just going to run with you, Mm. you stay with you and run with you. Wisconsin does not do that. If they can get in your face, they're going to. And so I think this will be the biggest test uh, thus far for our receivers on if they can create separation and hopefully give Spencer a place to put the ball. Now, all that being said, as I mentioned over our bi-week episode of things that maybe could uh, aid the offense, Uh, a lot of stacks, a lot of groups, squads, clusters, (laughs) bunches, whatever you want to call it, because they can't do that. If you try to go three across and try and jam all three, one of our guys is coming free. You can do a lot of misdirection type stuff. You can get a lot of leverage and you can really put them in a position that they don't want to be in. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there against man-to-man. I think it's just not only just getting off press, not only is it just like winning, but I think that schematically we could do some things to take advantage. So one quick thing here, I feel like um, over the past, I feel like over the past couple of games, uh, Nico Regani has had some uncharacteristic drops, Um, drops, muffs, whatever you want to call them. Do you think, based on his performance last year and this year up to this point, do you feel like it's a little bit of head games going on? I know that that at one point happened to you, and it's a battle, like trying to get that out of your head uh, after you have a drop or two or three or whatever it might be. How do you come back from something like that and uh, maybe regroup and become the player that I don't want to say you were before, but that you're capable of being, I guess, is the point I mean. I think the main, like, you're totally right that there's a little bit of self-doubt that comes in. And even though you've been doing it all your life, all you've done is run around and catch a ball and block a little bit, you still kind of have that thing that kind of, like, man, why didn't I catch that? Like, am am I not good? 
can I not take care of this? And uh, honestly, it's just going back and just catching a ball. Once you catch another one, it's like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I can do this. Or a block, a big block, something that's like, boom. You go in there and you knock a safety or you do something right on the outside. It's like, oh, yeah, I am a good player. Why would I ever doubt that I'm a good player? I can go out there and do whatever it is I need to do. That's why I'm on the field. And I think that kind of mentality will get you back into it. Is it easy? No. Steve Smith even talked about it when he was playing in Carolina and when he was in Baltimore, talking about how catching the ball is absolutely a head game. And uh, I think that's something that um, the more confidence that other people instill in you, and it's not just, obviously you're going to have intrinsic confidence, right? I mean, I'm at a D1 school, I'm starting, I know I'm good kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But that extrinsic confidence, motivation that reaffirmation it's okay spencer sees me one-on-one i know i might get this ball like cg and i uh, had a lot of stuff down in terms of if he saw man to man and i trusted him that he would put the ball in the right spot he trusted me that i would win and give us an opportunity to make a play and uh thinking back to wisconsin they played cover one single high 2015 and on two consecutive third downs um they were man to man and we hit a little seam ball or something like that. CJ put it in the perfect spot because he trusted that I would be there and I trusted that he would give me a shot. And I think that kind of mutual trust and respect is hopefully what was built over this bye week. Because repetition, 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 that's how you. That's how your quarterback knows what to expect from you. That's how you know what to expect from your quarterback. And, you know, when they say, oh, they got good chemistry, like that's a real thing. Like that is an absolutely real thing. So I don't think that can be understated by any means. So hopefully there were a lot of good reps this weekend uh, or this past week that really solidify the guys like Spencer goes, yeah, yeah. If I see him one-on-one, I trust that he's going to win. Not my read tells me he'll win. Mm -hmm. It's I trust him to win. Does that make sense? Yep. So I think there's a difference between the read says the ball goes here versus I believe the ball goes here. And it's not playing favorites. It's just... I know that Tavon on the double move against Iowa State, when he made that spectacular catch, CJ put it in a perfect spot. He goes, okay, I got the double move. I'm going to trust Tavon to make a play because Tavon's a dog and he does what Tavon does. So hopefully that kind of trust was built. And then not only does Spencer's confidence rise, the receiver's confidence rise, and hopefully everything can kind of mold together. Yeah, everything kind of plays off of each other. Yes, that was a very long-winded way. Very long-winded way to say that. Of putting it together. But at the same time, there's so much that goes into it. It's not just that receiver doesn't catch the ball. It's mm-hmm. not just that. It's never just that. That's why I asked the question of is is there some kind of, you know, extra something there um and and what what helps that. So, um anything else you want to say about the offense versus their defense? <laughs> well, <laughs> We got to be aware of their front. So we had an extra week to kind of get ready for a 3-4. How much they actually practiced it, I'm not sure, because normally the bye week is Iowa versus Iowa. But if they go 3-4, then we got to be aware of, okay, who's the down lineman? I kind of talked a little bit about it uh, against Purdue, um, but it's going to be something similar. It's going to be changing their fronts. It's going to be stuff like that. But really, it's incumbent upon our tight ends and receivers to win on the outside. We also need to go back to running the football a little bit. Need to understand that, you know, where I weren't going to run. So up front, our offensive line that had nine guys rotating, I really hope five or six guys said, no, I'm not leaving the field. Mm. I'm the one that deserves to be on the field and I'm going to go out there and do my job to the best of my ability. And that's better than these other guys. 
And I hope that seven, I hope all nine guys did that. But I'd like to see, you know, obviously a little more, not only consistency on the outside, but consistency on the inside to be able to run the football. Because that's going to have to happen against Wisconsin, and they're pretty good at stopping the run. So you had a lot of hopes for this bye week. Hopefully the the line solidifies their their positions, and then hopefully the receivers kind of solidify themselves as well. Well, I think I think any time that you are met with uh, adversity, a loss to Purdue is adversity. Anytime you're met with that, you can only control what you can control. So mm-hmm. you can only control with how you respond. And if you go into the bye week thinking. I'm going to bust my butt for these next six days to prove that I can be on the field and help this team win five more football games to hopefully get to the Indianapolis, then I think that's how you have to do it. Mm -hmm. That's why they have the 24 hour rule. That's why it's that that's, that's just, that's just the Iowa way you get after it. You get after it. Speaking of getting after it, I know you've been getting after it with the Bales team. Yeah. Yeah. Real estate continues to go up and up. Up and up and up. I like to see it. I mean, you're a lot busier than you have been, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, a little less time with Dax, but we we make up for it. We make up for it. We have good family time. Um, but yeah, uh, real estate continues to to be a major force here uh, for the Bales team. Uh, six of us, and uh, we've got somebody that's gone through just about everything, whether it's acreages, condos, whatever it is. Uh, no property's too small, no property too big. Uh, we do it all. And like I said, we've been through it. Somebody's always around to help you out. And then you want to see a property and your primary agent's not here. The other five of us got you. It's it's just that simple. So reach out to the Bales team. You can go to urbanacres.com. You can go to the Bales team, uh, search Bales, and uh, find us, find our happy, smiling faces there. There you have it, urbanacres.com, and click on the Bales team. I want to talk defense now. Braylon Allen, huh? Three consecutive games of over 100 yards. He's a big dude. Is he? He's like 6'4", 240 or something like that. Really? Like he, a, he a big dude. Wow. 6'3", 6'4"? He's up there. He's like 6'3", 6'4". Wow. Big dude. That's interesting. Okay. You know what that means? Wrap up. Hmm. That means that you're probably not just going to throw a shoulder at him. He's going to go down, you know, like uh, similar to like a Saquon Barkley type. You really got to get after him and wrap up and make sure that you get him to the ground. Yeah, that sounds, not going to lie, a little intimidating. I mean, not You for, also didn't play football. Not for our guys. No, 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 no. I just mean, you know. For you. Yeah. As a normal size human. You know? Yeah. <laughs> sounds a little scary. So Riley Moss, still out. Um. I don't know. What do you think? What What do we need to see from from our defense? Their performance over um, the Purdue game. I'm not going to say it was their best. And they would probably admit the same thing. So how do we how do we kind of go back to the defense that that we know we are? Main thing is we need to force Wisconsin to throw the football. Mm. They are a team that is not built to come from behind. You could argue that Iowa's offense isn't necessarily made to come from behind, Mm -hmm. but we hang around, typically hang around long enough, and we might just push through just like the Penn State game. Yeah. Okay. Wisconsin's not built to come back. They're not meant to, like, they don't really go four wide shotgun, sling it like Purdue does, Mm -hmm. right? That's why the quarterback has two touchdowns to seven interceptions. So... If we can force Graham Mertz to beat us and these receivers, we're going to have a heck of a lot better shot than if we let their 
I don't, it's not even a two headed monster. Like they got like nine guys that have, that's not true. I think they've got like seven guys that have double digit carries on the year. So they're going to turn around and hand it off to a lot of different people. So as long as we can force them to throw the ball, that's where I feel most comfortable. Okay. But like small things about like linebackers being active, our linebackers are going to have to be really active. Our defensive line, um, do you think our defensive line is meant to get tackles? Like like a nose guard or like defensive end? Like, do you think that just because they play defense are expected to get tackles or what do you think they're expected to do? Uh, put pressure on the quarterback. Let's say it's a run play. Do you think it's their job to try and make the tackle? Um, I'm just curious. I don't actually know entirely how to answer that question. <laughs> Can you give me the answer very quietly? Whisper it. Nobody nobody will know. Sometimes. Sometimes. You know, Matt, sometimes. That'll work. Uh, so a lot of times a defensive lineman, their job is just to clog up gaps. Okay. So their job is to keep the linebackers clean. So if a defensive lineman can take two offensive linemen with him and leave Jack Campbell to go roam and make a play or Seth Benson free to go, you know, make a play, that's what they need to do. Okay. I'm assuming we're going to see a lot more Justin Jacobs this game. Uh, Dane Belton's probably going to go back to safety, and Kayvon Merriweather may only come in during passing situations. Mm-hmm. They have a big tight end, so Justin Jacobs is going to be on him most of the game. Um, I know Dane uh, is competent enough to deal with the big tight ends, but we've seen some other tight ends that you know were able to make a play on him better than they would on Justin Jacobs. So I'm assuming we're going to be him, especially for the run game. We're going to need Justin Jacobs in there. Um, but like I said, so they're just – Looking at a few different numbers here, their leading linebackers have like 39 and 38 tackles, which don't get me wrong. They've got uh, four linebackers out there as opposed to our two or three. But compare that to 20 more for Jack Campbell and Seth Benson. Hmm. They're both 60 and like 58. So you talk about really active linebackers. That means our defensive line has to has to clog up gaps, force the running back to bounce it, and let our guys scrape over the top to make a play. That Jack Kerner coming down and making tackles, that's going to be big too. A lot of times uh, he and uh, Kayvon are are up there or Dane Belton really sniffing up, helping out with the run game, just don't get caught in play action. you know. And that's something that Wisconsin does just as good as we do. So it's really about keeping our linebackers clean, letting them see the gaps, and then, like I said, wrap up. Wrap up. So wrap up is the name of the defensive game. If you guys haven't noticed yet, I actually don't know as much about football as Matt does. So, Just slightly. Yeah. We're learning. We're getting there. It's fine. Hopefully our listeners are learning a thing or two as well. That's what I'm hoping. You know, me and them, one and the same. <laughs> <laughs> but you're schooling us over traditions. You got it. And names. And my, and... The name of my game is fan engagement. That's what I'm all about. <laughs> um, I will say this, though. One thing I do know about football is um, the overtime rule with uh, Penn State and Illinois was hysterical. I, I found myself not cheering for either of them. I wanted <laughs> Illinois to win just for the sake of it. Um, but also I was like, you know, at this point, I don't even care. How many overtimes did it go into? Nine. Nine. At the end of it, I was just cheering for the defense. You just wanted it to keep going? Yeah. I I wanted to see 15. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It's, uh, I like the rule change, though. You do? Yeah. KF said he does not like it. What was his reasoning? Uh, he just said that it looked like a tennis match. 
He's like, and then you, you walk down to the other end. He mm. said that he wasn't mm-hmm. he wasn't more um, impressed with like the 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 football of it all, but he was more impressed with the fact that there were no commercial breaks during the entire thing, which is something I didn't notice. But during the entire nine overtime two point conversion attempts, um, yeah, there were no commercial breaks. Interesting little factoid there. I almost think that the overtime. I mean, you could just back them up because right now you start on the twenty five or whatever you get. You're already in field goal range. Mm-hmm. I think if you start outside of field goal range, you force the offense to at least get a first down before they're in field goal range. Start them at like the 45. So you want them to have four downs? Is that what you're saying? I want it to be like the first two overtimes, just back it up to the 45-yard line. Oh, got it. So, I yeah. I mean, I, it's, I think it's a lot more schematical if you go down to just two-point plays. Really? Because you only get one play. Like, that's it. Draw yeah. it up. But then don't you get so tired walking down to the other end? I feel like that's kind of your recovery. Maybe. Active recovery. I don't know. It was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. And I'm going to enjoy more college football this weekend. Mm-hmm. Iowa taking on Wisconsin, bringing home another trophy. Yeah. I think we got to, I think we're going to have our shot for big plays. We just got to, we got to get off press. That's going to be the biggest thing on the outside. I think there are opportunities and, I mean, big plays and turnovers. Right? I was just going to say that. Explosives and turnovers. You win mm-hmm. those two things, you win the game. So that should be the focus. That should be the focus. And also wrap up. Wrap up. <laughs> you said that so many times. I just had to reiterate it. Dang it. Okay. The Heartland Trophy. The battle for it. We've, uh, we've got one trophy thus far. All right. Number two. Here we go. Let's roll. Go Hawks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.